Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 85. Sometimes we don't get our questions answered because we're asking the wrong questions. Yeah, we we can ask the wrong questions about people. We can ask the wrong questions about God. I mean, questions like, you know, why does God allow that to happen? Well, never. That will never be answered in a satisfactory way. Questions about people. Why does he behave that way? Or why does she speak to me this way? Same thing. There's never really going to be a satisfactory answer to these things. And we're going to be looking at that this morning. This morning we have a text, or my morning, your afternoon maybe. Uh, We're looking at a text that describes a conversation that Jesus had with a man who had a lot of questions about life. That man's name is Nicodemus. And this passage comes from John 3, chapter 3. And in the passage, Jesus points out a common error of people. Not just Nicodemus. But the common error of people is uh, it's easy to live life asking the wrong questions. In fact, it's interesting with Nicodemus. Before Nicodemus can even get to his question, Jesus cuts him off and gets right to the heart of the matter. So here's the story. The story is, verse 1, John 3, tells us that this man called Nicodemus came to visit Jesus by night. And verse 1 tells us that he's a Pharisee. Now, that means that he's an academic, he's highly qualified, he's a religious leader of the day, he would be respected, and... The passage also tells us that he comes to visit Jesus at night. So probably because it's not so obvious, he maybe doesn't want his peers to hear this conversation or see him with Jesus. And he begins the conversation with Jesus. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher. We know, as in us Pharisees, we know that, that you're a teacher who's, who's come from God because nobody could do these signs, these miracles that you do apart from the presence of God. So he begins with some flattery in the conversation. Immediately, Jesus replies, and it sounds quite blunt because it is. Verse 3, Jesus, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. So you see Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. It's almost like Nicodemus, whatever you hear, here you are at night visiting with me, whatever it is you're going to ask, whatever reason you're here, undercover, fearful that your colleagues won't approve of you speaking to me, let me tell you this, unless you're born again, you can't even begin to comprehend You can't even begin to see what I am doing and what I am pointing to. Verse 4, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born from above. 
Now, remember that whole idea that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God a lot. It was one of his favorite subjects. And when he uses that phrase, kingdom of God, that's not a place. The kingdom of God is like the reign of God on the earth. R-E-I-G-N, that kind of reign. So the kingdom of God, when Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is where God's will is done around us, right? I mean, you can look at the world and you can say, well, that's not the kingdom of God because people are getting hurt and there's too much suffering there and there's too much injustice there and there's too much fear there. So the reign of God, R-E-I-G-N, that would be where God's will is being done. That would be like acts of kindness or acts of forgiveness or compassion, right? So Nicodemus starts off the conversation on the wrong foot, which I'm suggesting is common to people, not just Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is like, Rabbi, we we know that you're a teacher who's come from God because nobody could do these miracles you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus isn't the least bit flattered and neither does he see his main purpose in life as a worker of miracles. Instead, Jesus as always gets right to the heart of the problem. It's like a spiritual discernment. It's like intuition that's working well. It's like, Nicodemus, whatever you're going with this conversation, unless you're born again, you're not even going to understand a word that I say to you. See, in Jesus' day, people were impressed with the healings and they were impressed with the miracles and the feeding of the 5,000 and walking on the water and the calming of the storms. And it's like, Nicodemus, you're impressed with the wrong things. You're looking at the miracles. You're looking at the signs. But the miracles simply tell you something about God if you have the eyes to see, the spiritual eyes to see, if you can discern. But you need to be born again. You need to be born from above. Spiritual life isn't about figuring out how to get God to do what you would like God to do, right? God isn't some Santa Claus. So what's important to God is the second birth, which, of course, Nicodemus, by this time in the conversation, he's completely confused and says, well, how can that happen? Verse four, how can that? I'm a grown man. I can't enter my mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus persists. Yeah, you need to be born again. Verse 6, what's born of flesh is flesh. What's born of spirit is spirit. This is like a spirit rebirth, Nicodemus. He's still confused. He's still confused. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Actually, this part we can understand. This is the easy part. Flesh gives birth to flesh, Jesus says. Okay, first time you're born, there you are, you're born, you came from your mother, you were born into a family, everyone's been born, right? Some of you might say, well, I was lucky, I was born into a great family. Uh, Some of you might say, well, mine wasn't so good. My start was kind of rough. There was a lot of anger in my family. There was a lot of criticism. I really couldn't do anything right. Others would say, no, 
you know, from the beginning, I felt completely loved. I felt nurtured. I felt safe. Well, whatever your family experience is, it profoundly affects you for good or not, right? Whatever your experience was, it affects your self-esteem. It affects how you build relationships. If your parents didn't do this well, then you have a lot of catching up to do, right? Um, your family of origin teaches you how to deal with conflict or not, what to value. It shapes your life. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's kind of straightforward. Now, a second birth is needed, Jesus is saying. Spirit gives birth to spirit. It's something that God does in us with our cooperation. And I think it's the idea, one way to talk about this and think about this is, is, is that God desires that we grow up in every way. We evolve. We mature spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every way, right? So it's like Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you need to grow up and change and expand. Now, of course, remember, he's a, a religious professional. He's highly uh, respected in his community. So this isn't going to go down too well because already, he already thinks he's arrived, and Jesus is calling for such a radical change that he calls it a rebirth. And it's a whole new way of seeing God. It's a whole new way of seeing yourself. And it's a whole new way of seeing the world. And it completely alters the questions that we ask. So what is this rebirth like? Um... Like I said, you know, people were impressed with Jesus' miracles and the healings and the feeding of the 5,000 and everything. But Jesus didn't come here to teach us some way to get God to do miracles in our lives, right? It, it, you know, if that was the case, if we based everything on miracles, we'd be pretty unhappy quickly, wouldn't we? So for Nicodemus, it's like, Nicodemus, you're impressed with the wrong things. You're distracted by the miracles. It's not about miracles, it's about a rebirth. So what is it like? What is this new birth like? What happens to us when we begin to grow up and develop and mature spiritually? Well, I think that the answer's found right here in the text in verse 3. Uh, this is answering the question, what does it mean to be born again? or born from above, verse 3, no one can see the kingdom. No one can see, that word see, no one can see the kingdom. No one can see God's way unless they're born again. So to grow up spiritually and emotionally, it impacts all of us really. It's the whole package deal. To grow up spiritually, to grow up emotionally, is to see from God's perspective. It's a spiritual kind of discerning and seeing. It's a spiritual kind of knowing. It's wisdom. It's discernment. Informed by God. It's wisdom that's informed by God. That's another way of, of saying it. 
I saw this great bumper sticker that said, don't believe everything you think. And that is so true. Not everything we think is true. You know, we can guess what others think about us. We can guess what others are thinking about a particular situation, but unless they tell us, we really don't know. We can assume that we know what's best for someone else and we can advise, but we may not have all the facts, which means that we may not be right. Right? We can worry about a situation and imagine all sorts of scenarios. We can worry about a situation and imagine all sorts of future events. What if this happens and what if that happens or what if she did this or what if I said that, you know. But none of these what ifs may be true. I think that to be born again is to develop the capacity to look at a circumstance through God's eyes, with God's perspective. What if we could set aside our fears and filters and blinders? What if we could do that? What if we could learn how to put these things to the side? Jesus would say, well, you can, because spirit gives birth to spirit. When one is born again, call it what you want, saved, reborn, enlightened, healed. There's many ways to talk about this, but it's about a changed life. When our spiritual eyes are opened, we are no longer unaware of the habitual, unhelpful patterns that we get caught in. We're not unaware anymore. We start to see things. And we become more open to change. And the more open we are to change, the more we're going to experience God. I mean, a confession of faith just is not enough. It doesn't really matter what we say we believe. We have to experience these things. A spiritual rebirth is like a genuine openness. It's different, you know. It's recognizing that we all have a bias. Could I look at this person in another way, God? Could I reframe this conflict differently? Is my judgment 100% accurate? I mean, that's a huge one when you finally come to the conclusion, well, no, of course it's not. Of course it's not 100% accurate. So often we just assume, and that's why we get stuck, because we're not accurate. You know, I think a helpful prayer is, God, help me see this or help me understand this or approach this with your wisdom. Whether it's dealing with trouble at work or whether you are trying to deal with the anxieties of the nations or the panic of people around us. or But it's almost like prayer is, help me see this from a larger perspective, a bigger perspective. You know, it could be anything, understanding someone who's let you down. You're just so disappointed. You hoped that this one would uh, be a good friend and for whatever reason it hasn't worked out. It could be 
taking a risk to really listen to your adult children or changing your career. It's very easy for people to get stuck and start to tell themselves, well, I'll always have this problem and I'll always react this way. And I can't help it because I'm a worrier or, you know, whatever we're telling ourselves. Well, I think you can tell yourself and it'll bring the reality about. I think that's how powerful words are, spoken or, or not spoken. I think that when we, when we tell ourselves these, these phrases like, uh, I'll always be this way, we, we get stuck as the very thing that we don't want. We get stuck in that place. And we can limit God. And we can limit what God does. It's really interesting, Nicodemus. You know, I was thinking this last week that, you know, Nicodemus, when Jesus says to him, you need to be born again, he doesn't say, wow, that's great. Sounds like a deep, profound, life-altering experience. Sounds like some kind of interchange and transformation. I didn't even think it was possible. Let's get started. Whatever his understanding is, his response is, how can these things be? It's like, you're kidding, right? How could this ever work? If you look at that in verse 9, it's almost like he is he's resigned to his own little reality, which is no change is possible for me. I'm not going to change. Can, you think we can do that? Yeah, I think I think it's maybe one of the points in this this story. I think we can say that, and it becomes a reality. I'm not going to change. I can't change. I never will change. But you know, a spiritual rebirth, which is just I think a radical openness to God doing whatever God needs to do. A rebirth is entirely open to something new. It's like. Fresh spring grass, reborn after a winter's rain. It's new. It moves your thinking from I can't to I'm open if God helps me. You know, it's like I can't forgive, but if God changes me, maybe it's possible. Or I can't take a risk. I can't take a risk and fail. It moves you from that to but maybe if God helps me, I can take the risk. It moves you from, I can't cope with this, but maybe I can live moment by moment with God's help. That takes a rebirth. Or, I can't work with this person, but maybe God can give me a different perspective. Maybe God can give me some insight that I don't have. So it's just, you just need a little chink in there before the Spirit can come and access us and start to move. It's just a tiny little openness. And if, even if you don't have the openness, you can, you can ask God to give you the openness, right? It's like, I'm not happy with my marriage. My marriage is over. We can't get on. We can't communicate. But maybe, maybe God can give me some insight here. See, you can use this with everything with everything. So many times we have to get to our own end before we see God's beginning. Now why I don't know, why I don't know, but I've seen this so often. So many times we have to get to our own end 
before we see God's beginning. And when we come to our own end and the questions stop, that's the possibility of seeing God's new beginning right at that point. You know, Richard Rohr has an interesting uh, view on prayer. He said that people often ask me how long they should pray. And his answer is, as long as it takes to get to yes. If your heart and emotions are still saying no to the moment right in front of you, don't leave the place of prayer until you find the yes. Isn't that great? See, yes is open. Yes is surrendered and yes is trusting. While no is constricted and guarded and fearful and it's turned inward is bound up while yes is not fighting what is so it's just relaxed into the reality of the situation it's like okay this is how it is okay God yes whatever you need to do with me in this situation now I'm open I'm open. See, there's the heart cry. There's the, there's the heart cry. There's the prayer. Help me to say yes. Or help me to get to the place where I can say yes. Whatever happens, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.